introducing my mum, Vina V. I love you, mummy. Hey, beautiful. This is Vina V, and welcome to the 28th episode of the Mum to Millionaire podcast, helping you create a successful business and incredible life for your children. On the show today, I'm so excited. We've got a mum of one to a beautiful, she is so gorgeous, a uh, little girl. She started blogging back in 2005. So, happy 10 year blogging anniversary. Wow. <laughs> okay. Thank you. She is uh, also the founder of Flea Enterprises, which is home to the high successful TOTS 100 and the Mad Blog Awards. Please welcome to the show, Sally Whittle. Thank you. Thank you. I love your house, by the way. If anyone's actually uh, listening to the podcast, you can't see this, but I will put a clip over on the YouTube channel. It's very clean. My house is like mess. Shall I tell you a secret, (laughs) Vina? The cleaners came yesterday. Ah, okay. So (laughs) it'll look like this for about two days. And then, okay. and then chaos maybe we'll takes. visit you again in two days and see if it's uh, still yeah. like that. Yes, uh, firstly, I just want to say a massive congratulations to you because if um, people don't know what the TOTS 100 is and the Mad Blog Awards, can you just explain to them what exactly it is? Yeah, um, so what we are effectively is an intermediary between brands and social influencers. So um, that includes people who are bloggers, people who are on YouTube, they're on Instagram, they're on Facebook. And what we help brands to do is to identify people online that they may want to collaborate with on branded content. And I think people forget, you know, we see kind of the, the TOTS 100, your, like that's your list, isn't it, of kind of the top yeah. bloggers in the country. And we see the event you run. But I think sometimes people forget, like, there's actually a person behind that. And that's why I just think it's so fantastic. <laughs> Sally's looking at me really weirdly now. Like that. <laughs> but I do, I really think people sometimes forget the person, like a person actually started that company. That's why I just think it's yeah. great what you have achieved so far. Um, d- Just take me right back to the beginning. I mean, mm-hmm. what kind of, was there any one big kind of major challenge you had? Kind of connect, getting all these bloggers together and growing? Because it is a business at the end of the day. Yeah, it is a business. I think that um, I'm going to try and be really tactful. I think if you go right back to the beginning, there's kind of the technical stuff, but that actually isn't the biggest challenge. I, in the early days, I just used to have this really amazing developer and mentor who just said, you can do anything. We'll find the right guys and we can do it. And technical stuff you can kind of fix. I think where you're building a business with social media, the challenge is really about people. Um, and so on the one hand, people love a list. On the other hand, if they go down, they really, really hate a list. Um, And you've kind of got to, A, develop a really thick skin about that because particularly in the early days when it was very much associated with me, Mm -hmm. people kind of confuse the fact of, I don't like the fact that I've gone down in this list with, I don't like you. Um, Ah, And so in the early days, I possibly wasn't the most popular blogger in (laughs) town. That's actually quite horrible. I don't like you because I've gone down in the list. Times of the month. Um, And I think, you know, you kind of get you get to grips with that and it becomes less of an issue, but you also, you've got to learn to be understanding. You've got to learn really to think about, okay, well, I'm building this business and it's great for brands that I've got this really great data, but I have to think about, okay, how do I manage the people side of that and still make this fun and worthwhile for people to be part of, even if they have gone down or they're not in the top 100, what, what do we do to make it worthwhile for them as well as for the people who are paying us? 
But that also, that is nothing to do with you. <laughs> Someone goes down, so I don't really know what that's all about. But do you I know think- what, though? People don't, people don't think that. I think people, when you're working in social media, and blogging in particular, when mm. people have a blog or a podcast or a YouTube or anything you know, you invest so much of yourself in it and you take it really, really personally. If somebody like me, you see it arbitrarily says, okay, well, actually your blog this month is a bit less good than it was last month. I think it's really, really understandable that people take that very personally Mm -hmm. because you might have written about your marriage or your child or this particular trauma that you've been through. And and for somebody to put a number on that and to treat it in that kind of way, I think is quite hard for some people. Okay. So yeah, if anyone is listening to this right now who is a mum yeah. blogger, I think you should take that in two ways. I think you should, if there's a, I know we're talking about lists so much here, mm-hmm. but if there is a list of the top bloggers in the world or whatever it is, that should actually be a motivation. If I fell down and list, now I've never been on the top 100 list at all, but for me, that is a motivation to get on it. So if one day I'm number one and I slip down to number 29, Surely that should really act as a motivation. And one other quick thing I want to say is that, you know, there's loads of lists in the world as well. And it's not just about being on a list. You can have a really successful blog and business and never get on a list. So, yep. you know. I think as well, I mean, what we all, when we hold events and we hold conferences and this kind of thing, and we talk to bloggers and I sort of say, look, it is just a list. It's not going to make you live forever. It's not going to make you rich. It's not going to make you thinner. It's not going to make you more beautiful. It just is a list. And if you're blogging and you love it and you enjoy it and what you do is working for you in whatever your motivation is for blogging, then try and ignore somebody who's trying to, you know, measure something like me. You can ignore that for, for some people, it's like you say, it's really motivating. Like, oh, I really want to get up. And people get really happy when they're in the top 500, which is like the top 1% of our community. That's a real thrill for some people. For other people, it's demotivating. And in that case, I just just focus on the other bits of it, the bits that you enjoy. So I'm so glad you've said that. And that's coming from the creator and founder of TOTS 100. Uh, Sally is here. She's going to talk about what it takes to turn a blog into a business. Now, Sally, there's just so much advice out there, isn't there? Everyone's Mm. telling you, you must have a blog. But how do we actually, you know, turn this blog into a business? Because this, you know, Mum to Millionaire is all about helping mums in business. So a lot of people might have a traditional business. It might be a cake shop. It might be an accountancy. <laughs> and everyone's saying, you know, slap a blog on there. How, I mean, we can take this from two different angles. Number one, how should they approach that? But number yep. two, how can they also make that blog into kind of another business and, you know, create money from that at the same time? Okay, that's. I think that there are two really important questions. If you're looking to make money online through a blog, I think, first of all, you want to think about, where do I want to be? What message do I want to be putting out? What brand do I want to be part of? Because there's no point. You could go out there and you could make lots and lots of money doing reviews of beauty products. But if that isn't where your interest is and that's not going to fulfill your wider business aims, then there's no point in doing that. So when I talk to somebody, I always say, okay, well, what kind of things do you enjoy doing? Do you enjoy doing crafting? Do you enjoy baking? Are you an accountant who's got an amazing amount of knowledge about tax returns? And so look at what you're interested in and what you're passionate about and look for a way to monetize that. And then I think regardless of what sector you're going to operate in, I think the really good money online comes from content. And I think, you know, there's there's this tendency sometimes, particularly with businesses, to think, well, I'm just going to write an article about what I know. And it's kind of like, well, that's great. And that would work 
beautifully in a magazine. My background's in magazines and that might work great. But online, you've really got to think about content and shareability and what can I create that people can easily consume online that's useful to them? How's it going to help them have a happier day or to do something more quickly? Um, I know when I used to be in journalism, we used to talk a lot about faster, cheaper, better. That what you should be producing should be helping somebody to do something one of those three ways. I mean, what are, I really want to kind of get down and dirty here. What are the hard facts about this? I mean, because not everyone can be, turn a normal kind of, I think a lot of mums start just a blog, maybe talking about their pregnancy. I mean, you you know it all, you've met probably hundreds, even thousands of them. You know, the people who are right at the top of their game in terms of blogging, what makes them different and how have they managed to turn it into a business? I mean... Mm -hmm. Because I think when we look at, particularly with the women who've got um, family-focused blogs, and they're not all necessarily just mummy blogs, they might be food or craft or lifestyle or whatever it may be, I think they've gone down one of two routes. So I think you either take your blog and you say, okay, I'm going to treat this entirely as a business. I'm going to treat this as a content platform, and I'm effectively going to sell advertorial to brands. And on that level, you need to decide what level do you want to be at. So in the same way, if you're a magazine, you might be a chat or a take a break magazine, or you might be a Vogue or a Tatler, you need to pitch appropriately. So maybe you're going to go for really, really high quality photography, amazing professional design, and you're going to pitch only to really high end brands. And you might only do 12 paid campaigns a year, but each of those campaigns is worth five grand. Great. But you might go the other way and say, okay, well, I'm going to do cheap and cheerful product reviews, paid links, sponsored posts at 40, 50 pounds a time, but I'm going to do five of those a day. Mm -hmm. And I don't think any one of those routes is necessarily better than the other. I think, you know, you just need to understand where your customer base is and build a product where those customers want to be. So is it really just having, I mean, the first step is just really having that clear goal from the beginning. Like, why are you blogging in the first place? Yeah, but I also think, I always think like the first six months, I see lots of bloggers and they start a blog and it's like month two and they come and register with Tots 100 and they email us and say, I really, really want to work with brands. And I kind of think... Just enjoy those first six months of trying out different sorts of content. You know, don't set yourself up as a luxury, high-end fashion blogger. And then three months later, you find out that you hate Photoshop, you can't stand Polyvore, and actually it takes all the fun out of it because you're trying to do these stupid graphics and maybe that's not fun. So I always think take advantage of those early months when nobody's reading your blog apart from your best friend and your stalker (laughs) ex-boyfriend. And just like try different stuff, you know, do something that doesn't work or try writing in a different style and just kind of find your own voice. And I think once you've done that and you've spent that time working out, okay, this is what's easy for me. Because when you find something that feels natural, it will be a lot easier for you to produce regular content. Mm. It's not going to feel like such a chore. You don't want to be that person who's got to sit and spend half a day writing a blog post because it's just not the kind of thing that you would naturally gab on about anyway. And in an ideal world, that's what you want to do. It's going to make your life a lot easier. And if you have got to that stage, you should really stop blogging. That's what happened to me. 
I had a pregnancy blog and it got to about five years and I thought, I hate doing this. What is the point? I was literally sat there like, so I, I just killed it. And that's when I, used, a year later, then I started Mum to Millionaire. And I'm so passionate about this, mm. but I can't, I get up, I'm like, yes, I'm going to work on this. I would, before when I had the pregnancy blog, I was like, oh my, it, it turns into a chore. And yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned that because as soon as it turns into a chore, there is no point doing it. Well, I think it's are, really you know. tempting. You can look at other people who are successful. I was chatting with a friend about this this week and saying, there's one particular blog in our community and they've started craft blogging and their traffic has gone absolutely through the roof. Crazy, crazy numbers. And she gets like, 25 times more traffic than my blog does and I was like the number of times I've thought I really should try and make something out of a toilet roll tube but I would hate it I would be miserable and it would be rubbish because I'm not gifted so I kind of have to accept the things that I write about are the things that if I wasn't writing that post I'd probably be ringing up my best friend and saying oh my god you wouldn't believe what happened or did you watch this stupid tv show is it really inappropriate to have a crush on him and that kind of thing so you're writing the stuff that you'd be talking about anyway that you'd be sharing anyway (laughs) I'm just imagining Sally we're just looking at this toilet roll thinking how can I do something just it wouldn't end well (laughs) wouldn't end well at all never going to be a craft blogger never going to be a food blogger and there may be fortunes to be made but I'm gonna have to miss out no but you're doing well already and yeah like you said you might think of this idea tonight and then tomorrow, your blog traffic as well could go through the roof. I think it's all about timing a lot of the time, isn't it? And I think people need to realise, going back to the point you just made a minute ago, is that your blog can change. You can yeah. start doing pregnancy, then all of a sudden, like you just mentioned about that blogger, now she does craft. Mm. She, you know, and at least she took that, in a way, it's kind of a little bit like a risk, because you're like, I was writing about this, but now I'm going to do this. Yeah. So I think that's really I think important. her life just changed, and mm. she was writing about her young preschool children. The kids went to school. She had more spare time. She wanted to do more fun things with them when they came home from school, and it just evolved, and that was what she's interested in, and it's what she enjoys. And I see a lot of that with bloggers, where they are almost afraid to reinvent their blog or they think, oh, I've got to kind of, you know, stay within my niche because I'm a mummy blogger. I should only blog about my kids. And it's kind of like, you know what, if you, if your kids have gone to school and you've rediscovered a passion for music or writing or cookery or whatever it may be, your blog really should be something that you feel passionate about. I mean, I'm not a big believer about should in blogging. I don't believe there should be any hard and fast rules but I think my one rule is that you should have fun because otherwise why don't you go out and get a job in the supermarket or something the whole point of having a blog is it's creative and it's a reflection of you and what you're interested in what would be your advice to a mum so kind of stepping away from the the mums who just blog Mm. you know on a daily basis what about a mum who maybe going back to who she's an accountant and so she's got like a normal, you know, corporate kind of website. She's selling her services, but she's got obviously that blog page. I yep. mean, for her, can she kind of go a bit off topic? I know, obviously, there's no, like, yeah, like you just mentioned, no, like, you must do this. And yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know, like, is that professional? If she can go off and say, talk about, I don't know, something really random, but then try and relate it back to money. I don't know. Is there... I think so, yeah. I think if you're blogging as a business, I think that having a personality is really important on social media. So if you look at some of the most successful corporate Twitter accounts, for example, they often are quite funny. So the Waterstones Twitter account is a classic example, and they're hilarious about, you know, all the books and things like that. So they make jokes, and I don't think that that's inappropriate, or talking about how you're balancing kids with your job I you know that's relatable and it's about 
I think people on social media respond to that. But I do think you do need to think about, let's say you're an accountant, what information have you got that's useful? How do you share it in a way that's useful to people? And how do you make it timely and relevant? So, you know, I chat with with people who run small businesses all the time. And it's like, okay, so you're an accountant. How about if you do a top 10 tips on how to fill in your self-assessment return in December when everybody's ready yeah. to jump off a bridge because they don't know how to do it. They can't find an accountant for love no money. So that kind of thing. Or if you're a personal trainer, could you make short 30-second videos that you upload onto Facebook demonstrating exercises that you can do with babies or with kids? And so those kind of things, it's just thinking about, okay, well, what could I create that's useful to people? How am I going to help mm my potential customers <laughs> your dog can you around. hear the noise <laughs> in the background <laughs> is that your little doggy it's my puppy who's just found an empty bottle <laughs> and is chewing it so i might just go and retreat okay <laughs> yes, sorry so yes um i was just saying about thinking about what you can provide to people that's useful and no matter what sort of industry you're in or what kind of business you run you know things that other people would find useful or you've got stories that other people would find inspiring or you've just got a you know a little funny video that you've done that would make people laugh and I think it's just about thinking about it in terms of that rather than thinking about okay well I have to write something and it has to be very factual and it has to be very corporate often the best things in social media are the things that are created very quickly and shared because they're timely. No, I like that. Um, I don't know. What else does it really... Because I really want to get like into this. What There are so many. Like I mentioned before, there are just thousands of mummy bloggers out there. And I know we talked about it before in terms of, you know, you, they've got passion to blog and, you know, they found like a specific niche. I mean, what is there like some hidden secrets or tips that like the rest of us naive <laughs> blogging people don't know? Because there are so, I don't, I just don't get it. Like, how is some, is it just an, I always say to people in terms, especially in terms of YouTube, it's mm. a lot to do with consistency. Like, you need to be consistently uploading videos to YouTube. I mean, is that the same with blogging? Or are there other, kind? like, do we need to be joining the TOTS 100? Do we need to be joining the Netmums blog network? Do we need to be... You know, what? Tell us, Sally. What What's the secret? <laughs> I think there are a few different things. I think, first and foremost, it's knowing who you are and having a good sense of what your blog is about, what's its personality. And that's whether you're blogging about parenting or you're blogging about finance or you're blogging about budget food. It doesn't really matter understanding so rather than saying okay you have to be blogging four times a week or five times a week god I know people who blog five times a day and then I know blog people who only blog once or twice a month but it's about a consistency of voice and a consistency of tone so that people can almost with some of the best bloggers I can read their posts and I will know whose post it is without seeing which blog it's on or reading the author I can just tell by the way it's written I can tell by the photos I can tell by the look and feel so I think that's a big part of it I think in social media and blogging generally a lot of it is hustle and I think it's something that lots of new mums aren't great at and they can be quite nervous. It's not necessarily the period in their lives when they're feeling at their most confident. But what I do see among the more successful bloggers are they are the ones that are out there pitching, that understand this is a business, so I need to go out and I need to sell it and I need to present it appropriately. I need to understand who my audience is. I'm doing analytics. I am promoting myself through 
all of the blogging networks. I'm, you know, using hashtags on Twitter. I'm talking to local newspapers, local magazines. I'm doing guest posts and thinking about, okay, I've got to put it out there. I've got to present myself. A certain amount of fake it till you make it. I think there are people out there who I see being described as top bloggers. Now, I know from their traffic stats they probably don't get as much traffic as some of the top, top bloggers, mm-hmm. but they're really great at presenting themselves and they're really out there. They're really confident. They're really like, look, you should read my blog. It's fantastic. And I think lots and lots of bloggers simply don't do that bit of it. Yeah. They kind of write these amazing, beautiful posts and they're fantastically well-designed and nobody ever hears about it. Mm. You've, you know, there's a certain amount of hustle that you need. So it's kind of even in a way going back to that confidence. Like Mm. you need to be confident in what you're writing and just your blog in general. If you're just writing a post and then doing nothing, you're not going to get anywhere, are you? Yeah, nobody gets discovered as a wallflower. So (laughs) I think, you know, but you think there are millions upon millions of blogs out there and, and you could write something beautiful. And unless you tell somebody about it, it's only ever going to be your mum who reads it, yeah. unless my mum still reads my blog. Thanks, Aww. mum. Hi, um, mum. <laughs> I know. I get nothing to tell her, though, because I'll go and tell her some funny story, and she'll be like, yeah, I know. I've already and my read dad it. will be like, going, yeah, I saw it on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Stop it. Um, but, yeah, you've kind of got to let people know, and, and it can be as simple as, you know, you connect it to your Facebook account, not being embarrassed to let the people that you're friends with in real life know, hey, I've got a blog. We kind of, you know, with my friends, they all know I blog. We have a silent agreement. They never mention it to me in person, but I know they read it and, you know, it's fine. But that kind of thing, putting it on your email signature, putting a link to it on your website, just being out there a little bit because you're not going to get anywhere and you're certainly not going to make money if you're still feeling a bit shy or bashful about it. I mean, would you say these, they seem such little things like putting a link on your email signature, but for you, do you think it's actually these little things here, there and everywhere that really can actually blow your blog up and make it into this business that people want to... Yeah, I mean, there's this fantastic blogger I know called Mirren who blogs at Bangs in a Bun about fitness and fashion. And I remember she said to me a few years ago, you never know where your next reader is going to come from. And she used to do things like if she was on a train, she would leave a business card with her blog URL um, on the table. Or if she was in a hotel, she'd put a little flyer in the drawer of the bedside cabinet and she would just leave things dotted around because you fight for every page view you go out there and you hustle for every reader and you never know who that reader is going to be it could be somebody who then goes and shares your post Mm. somewhere where it suddenly goes viral or it's a journalist I remember getting a call I'd written something spectacularly you know off the cuff about mums on buses and I I was on the Today program the next day because the person who happened to read it was a journalist at Radio 4 and so you think you you kind of never know you've just got to put it all out there and and that's where you know it's going to build gradually but every so often you might just get that one really lucky reader that shares it and you you grow you know your audience overnight. And it's what you just said, it's kind of like thinking outside the box. Because something like that, leaving your business card. If I mm. saw someone's business card, I'm nosy. I would be like, oh, well, whose blog is this? But then there you go. She might, you know, get a new reader like yeah. that. So I do And you like- never know. Go for it. <laughs> um, anything else you would say? I think that, I mean, there's no great secret. I think it just is about being yourself and being confident. And I think if you are yourself, people will connect to you. You'll feel authentic. You'll feel relatable. You don't have to please everybody. God knows if you're making a living on the internet, you're never going to please 
everybody. A sizable chunk of people, if you're doing anything interesting at all, will dislike you quite intensely. And in the early days, I used to find that really, really hard. I would go home and cry and be like, but I'm not a terrible person. Why do they hate me? (laughs) And then you kind of fast forward five years. And now if somebody gets really upset, I'm just kind of like, okay, you know, we can apologize and we can be sympathetic, but it doesn't affect me the same way. So don't think everybody's got to love you. Don't be too easily discouraged when people disagree with you. Try and take it as a compliment that somebody is interested enough in what you've said to respond to it. And I think that's a really big part of it. And just have fun with it. And if it is going to be your business, then I don't think you can expect to just sit at home like George Eliot being beautifully creative. You have to think about advertising. You've got to think about business development. You've got to think about accounts. You've got to think about what's tax deductible, what's not. You may have to think about in the same way that another business might invest in raw materials. Maybe you're going to invest in a graphic designer. Maybe you're going to invest in a developer. So it's thinking about, okay, if this is my business, I'm going to treat it like a business and I'm going to look at it in quite a grown-up way. You know, it's a really long time since I did anything to do with web development. In fact, I think I I remember in the very early days, I used to try and design some of the badges myself. And one of my mentors rang me up and said, Sally, every time you open Photoshop, a fairy dies. Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) But he was right. I'm not a graphic designer. And he sent me the details of his graphic designer and just said, look, please talk to her and let her do it. And you do what you do. So I focus on doing what I do and I hire people to do the stuff. And I think that for me was a really big step of realizing actually you have to think about, you know, in a, in a really kind of weird way, you're looking at it as a business. Where do I add value to the business and where do I not add value to the business? And if it doesn't need to be me and it can be done better or more cost effectively by somebody else, then I'm not afraid to do that. No, I love that. And you know, I'm so glad we've had you on today because I think people do think there is a secret. I know we see all of those blog posts like the five secrets to dramatically increase and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I just think it's so good to have someone who is a successful blogger on the show just to tell us, do you know what? There is no secrets. There's there's all these little things. And I love what you said. It is. I love that word. It's all about the hustle. How... How badly do you want whatever you want it is? And everyone's goal is different, isn't it? Some people might just want to make money from their blog. Some people might want to win awards. Some people, you know, whatever people. And I think there's there's a real temptation to think that one way is better than another. And some people are quite happy doing four or five posts a month and they're making a little bit of extra money uh, to top up. Maybe they're already working or they don't need a full-time income. Some people are doing it full-time. Some people are doing it at different levels. They're writing about different topics. I mean, there are a million different ways to do it. I mean, what I would say is, although there's not one big secret, that doesn't mean it's easy. That doesn't mean you can start a blog and a month later, you're going to be making 60 grand a year and everybody's happy and you're just going to spend your life taking photos in pretty dresses while people throw money at you. It kind of doesn't work that way. You are going to have to spend a good deal of time working out how Twitter works. You're going to have to work out when is the best time to post on Facebook. You're going to have to invest time not just in writing your post, but in doing a bit of search engine optimization so that people will find them. You've got to do that hustling for new clients and nurturing the relationships with your existing clients and then doing your accounts and your books and all that kind of stuff. It is, you know, it's it's a job and anybody who's making a living, whether it's full or part-time online, is working hard. So although there isn't one big secret, don't think it's easy either. 
And I'm glad you mentioned that as well about, you know, checking analytics. It's so easy to check. You You know when people hear that word analytics, like, oh, my <laughs> God. But it's so easy. Just go into your Facebook, click on analytics. You can see when your people are online. I think I post my first post of the day at half six in the morning because I have a massive spike. So yeah. now I just post an image at six o'clock, uh, 6.30 every day because I've looked mm-hmm. at my analytics. If I didn't, I wouldn't have a clue. I'd be posting yeah. randomly. And I but, think people know. sometimes think, like, there's this kind of artsy thing that some people do of going oh I don't really bother myself with stats and I just think well you're an idiot because (laughs) if you want if you're writing you want to be read if you didn't want to be read you'd write a diary so you're writing a blog you want people to find it so why not all analytics is is what what of mine did people most like to read and then I can write more stuff like that or when did they like to read it? Okay, that's when I'm going to share it. Yeah. So it's you know it's not rocket science. It doesn't need to be hard, and it's not kind of cheapening yourself to try and actively seek out an audience. No, definitely. And two very quick things: How do people go about? I know so many people out there want to work with these brands. Mm-hmm. How can you just send a cold email to a brand, or is it all about nurturing that relationship and just sending them an email saying, "Hey, I'm a new blogger. Like, check out." Um, my- <laughs> I think there are a few different ways. I mean, you can register with sites, obviously, like Tots 100, Foodies 100, and there are other networks around, and that's great. Um, I've never spoken to a brand that doesn't like to hear from bloggers. But I think what I would say is don't send an email saying, hi, I really love your brand. Can I please have some free stuff? That tends to not go down quite so well. And also, there's a lot of people doing that. So you're not particularly going to stand out. But I think start out by, I really like it. Could you add me to your mailing list? You know, if you're holding any preview days or press days, I'd really love to come along and write about it. And I think it's just going to, you're gently going to court them. You're not going to try and jump straight into bed with them. You're going to court them a little bit first and pique their interest and send them some stats about what you could offer or come up with a creative campaign idea. You know what? I really love to do these sorts of upcycling posts. I'd love to see how I could do that with one of your chests of drawers or whatever it might be. Or I love to do painting and, you know, could I, I'm redecorating this bedroom. Could I do this? So I think brands like ideas and they like to know that you're interested in them rather than you just asking for free stuff. Give me free stuff. <laughs> um, in terms of finding out um, who the people are, do we just like, simply type into Google like PR of Coca-Cola? Or is there like a... <laughs> <laughs> Would that work? <laughs> it's not the first way I'd go about it. Um, not with. I think with smaller companies, yes, you can. I think with a big company like that, it's often really hard to find the right person. Um, I'm a big believer of just picking up the phone yeah. and ringing up their PR agency. You can tweet them. Um, most brands will have a UK-specific Twitter, and you can say, could you direct me to the person who handles – sorry, I've got a dog climbing up on me now. Um, could you handle me – You know, can you direct me to the person who handles media inquiries, or do you, need, do you have a social agency that I can talk to? They're very accessible now via social media. Um, that that would probably, if I was an independent blogger, that would be the route that I would go. And in terms of collaborating, I think that's another great way to kind of merge audiences together. Um, how do people go about collaborating with people? Again, even going back to that business mum example, mm. if you want to collaborate with another account, or maybe they don't want to do that, but you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. How do they collaborate on a post? Or is it in terms of just guest blogging, like just contacting another blog going, I love your blog, would you mind if I submitted a, a guest post to you? I think that collaboration is the most amazing way to exponentially grow 
a blog audience because it gives you access. So I think once you're reasonably well established, then approach the people that you admire and the people that, you know, ideally that are doing something slightly different to what you're doing. Because I think where lots of collaborations fail is that you you get people who are too similar yeah. and they end up kind of competing with each other and you're not reaching any new people. So for your example, if you had somebody who was an accountant, maybe you would team up with a local solicitor or maybe you would team up with a women's business networking organization and say, okay, well, you've got your audience, you've got my audience, we've got a a good degree of crossover between the two. Let's see what we could do together. Maybe we're going to guest post on each other's blogs. Maybe we will do a video blog together and we'll do a a Q&A or we can collaborate, you know, maybe we create a survey that we send out to our clients. You know, there's a hundred different ways that you can do it. Um, But I think it's just about choosing the right people who have a something in common but they're different enough that you're going to reach new people um, and that you're happy to promote because ultimately you're going to be promoting that person as much as they're promoting you so it needs to be somebody that you're comfortable and proud to share with your customer base or your audience to say look I genuinely love what this person's doing. And and another quick uh, question in terms of just the the whole maybe like British culture and the way we are I find that a lot of not just mums, just people mm-hmm. in general over here, they're not that supportive of each other. Now, I'm not talking about everyone. <laughs> What's that? Uh-huh. Sally was like, oh, who's she talking about? <laughs> um, I'm going, to be honest, now I haven't really experienced it that much. Again, I will still get the odd email like, no, but and all this kind of stuff. Um, well, that's another podcast in itself. Um, but when I did have my pregnancy blog, I find, found it actually really uninviting. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons why I stopped. I was like, oh my God, this is horrible. Everyone is like horrible and out to get each other. Maybe that was just me. Um, I don't know. But in terms of, I really want to put that message across there that I think it's so important for everyone just to help each other out. If you are collaborating on a blog, no one is going to go off your blog and just look at the person you've collaborated with. I, I don't know. What what are your thoughts on this? Because you kind of have the overview of this industry yeah. Uh, what what is going on, and is um, is this true? What I'm saying, or am I lying? <laughs> um, no, it's true. Um, what do I think? Oh my gosh. Um, I think that it's human nature to be competitive, and I think that social media can be quite competitive and I think that increasingly as brands have started to work with online influencers whoever they may be there's always going to be people who think why did that person get that and I didn't and my blog is just as good or my Instagram photo is much better than hers and and that's kind of human nature and I think you kind of have to learn to let that go you know I I don't think any of us are ever completely free of that. You know, I still sometimes look at a blog and think, oh, do you know what? I could have done that so much better. (laughs) Because you've got to have a certain degree of self-belief. I'm a writer, you know, I'm quite good at what I do. And I do something, you know what? I could have taken a better photo than that. And that's fine. Do you know what? It's human nature. (laughs) It's absolutely human nature. You just do. And I think it's not, but I don't envy them. I, might yeah, see, I think that's where the difference is. I think you might look at other bloggers and maybe 
get more inspired by them. Because mm. I look at a lot of people's blogs or podcasts and be like, wow, that's amazing what they're doing. Like, I want to be like, that. Like, you know, I want to find my own way and do it. But I think you just hit it on the nail then that some people might look at other people's, but then it's that envy that takes over. Yeah, but there but is I, no point. But that. every time I look at a blog and think... I could have taken a better photo than that. There are probably 50 other blogs that I look at and think I'm never going to take a photo that good. And you just have to think, I can't compare. There's always going to be somebody who's better than me at that. Mm. And I'm better at some things than those people. So everybody's got their own unique strengths. And I think you've just got to focus on what you do. And particularly as a business owner, I decided really, really early on, and it was probably one of the biggest lessons I learned, that for assessing about why did that competitor have this and I didn't, or why did that blogger do that and I hadn't done that, that was an hour that I didn't spend on my business and I wasn't making money for me and my daughter. And so now I kind of, I think I keep it in perspective. I think I look around and I make it my business to look around at what other people are doing and I might jot down, I like that idea, I like that idea. If I was going to do that campaign, I might have done that bit differently. And I'll make a note of that and that's something that I can incorporate into what I do. But it's not a big thing for me. It doesn't bother me that somebody's done something better than I did or that it doesn't give me a particular triumph that I might have done it better. It's just different. I'm never going to make the toilet roll craft thing. It's just never I can look at it till the cows come home. I'm never going to be able to do it. And that's okay because that's not what my business is. Do you know that I'm so, so, so happy you mentioned that though about the whole thing of comparing yourself and looking at other blogs. I, when I first started blogging like five years ago, I did this. I was looking at the Tots 100 list or looking at all these bloggers and I would spend hours looking at their blogs. But guess what? That was wasted like six hours a day not even working on my own blog. So no wonder it was, you know, wasn't popular. So I'm so yeah. glad you said that. Because I think be inspired. I'm a big yeah. believer. Go and look at loads of different blogs yeah. and jot down ideas. And we do this all the time. So we recently redid all of our websites mm-hmm. and we probably spent, my colleague and I probably spent a week going through brand sites, blogs, blogger network sites, and we just jotted down all the ideas of things that we liked and then we gave it to the developer and said, can we have something that's got all of those things, please? And that's that's a productive way to do it. But sitting there and obsessing about they've got this, they did that, they're better at this, why did they get this and I didn't get this? You're just wasting time that you could be building your own product and your own platform. And I think that's another key to turning your blog into a business is not wasting time doing that. And we are laughing, but I think that's so true. We don't want to, we want to, look, as busy mums, we have barely enough time as it is. So we need to cultivate that time in an efficient way. This is why I can't go on YouTube in the daytime. Just it's all lost. I just can't even open it. I pay somebody to upload our YouTube no, videos because if I open YouTube, it's all over. It's like with so Facebook. thanks Claire for looking after our <laughs> YouTube videos um, because I can edit them. I will edit them in iMovie and I package them and everything else. I can't open YouTube. It's just lost. So I think knowing where your time sucks are is probably yeah. quite important. The, well, one and, thing uh, I've actually done is I switch off email sometimes now. I might yeah. just check a Monday morning. So if someone emails me on a Monday, you might not hear from me for like a week. But that's because otherwise I just get so distracted yeah. with my emails. And um, one of those big things about, you know, when you t- the difference between a hobby blogger and a pro blogger, very often it's about the professionalism. And so I know when we're choosing blogs to work with, it's somebody who delivers to the brief they deliver deadline they deliver good copy it's original it's got good 
photos. And that takes time. If you're missing deadlines, that is a huge reason why your blog isn't going to make it financially because people won't come back and work with you again. So you've got to be disciplined to an extent. I mean, I joke about YouTube, but it is. It's fatal. I can't be distracted. <laughs> so it's knowing and it's understanding. And if that means shutting off the internet while you write your post, then shut off the internet because you've got to kind of take it a little bit seriously. But it is so true. These last couple of months, I used to have like, well, Sally, before she started this interview, actually, sorry, Sally, to take you up here. But she did have about, what was it, about 10 pages loaded on. And that's what I do sometimes. I have about 10, sometimes 20 pages loaded up. But then I'm wasting time clicking through different things. No, when I'm editing the podcast, that's what I do now. I just edit it. When I'm uploading to YouTube, I just upload. But But you you forget, don't you, what you're doing. So when we started this interview and I held all those windows open, I was like, I didn't even know had Photoshop open I obviously opened it at some point today to do something and then completely (laughs) forgot what I was doing because I was distracted by Excel so yeah multitasking these tips have been so great so thank you so much for coming on the show I do want to end on what is your best productivity tip I think it is probably oh can I do a slightly geeky one of course you can (laughs) okay so I love um sites like if this then that Oh, okay. What's that? So it's www.ifttt.com, um, if that works out right. But it's if this and that. And what you can do is you set it up to say, okay, if I post a photo on Facebook, then I would like you to share it on Twitter. Or oh, if I okay, post yeah. on Instagram, then I would like you to put it onto Tumblr. And you can set, they call them recipes, and you can set all these little things. Mm. So, Because I think sometimes if you work in social media or you're online in any way, there's this huge feeling that you've got to be everywhere all the time. And if mm. you're not on 25 different social networks sharing everything in every possible way, you're doomed to fail. And actually what you can do with sites like that, and there are other sites that do similar things, but it just allows you to take some of that routine work work and automate it so that you can think okay everything that I share on my blog automatically ends up on Twitter it will then end up with a photo on um, Hootsuite and it will put a picture onto you know whatever it may be that you need to do but yeah look for ways like that to to cut down some of the and just find a good automation automate the stuff stuff where it isn't essential that you are there live doing it properly like you were Mm. saying about times I know people who use if then that if this then that they tweet something at seven o'clock it will retweet it at 2 30 to catch the uk the us yeah. audience yeah so you can do things like that because nobody wants to get up at 2 30 to tweet for the americans yeah. so use use the automation to to take out some of that legwork there you go sally thank you so much for coming on the thank show you, it's Gina. been amazing i have to rush off now because it's time to get my son from school, well, it's um, school time, seriously, isn't it? seriously thank you so much for coming on the show where my can pleasure. we found, find out more about you so I blog at whosthemummy.co.uk and you can also find us at tots100.co.uk and I'm on Twitter as at swittle. And all the links will be on the blog mumtomillionaire.com forward slash episode 28. We'll have a recap of this show. I'll put some clips over on the YouTube channel as well. But make sure you check out Sally. Sally, again, it's just amazing what you've achieved. So massive high fives and claps to you and make sure you take action today not tomorrow be confident be brave be you thank you for being part of the mum to millionaire journey mum to millionaire i empower you to take control make money mum to millionaire you can have it all we won't let
please like us on facebook.com forward slash month millionaire. Love you. <laughs> Love you too, mummy. <laughs>